that we're going to be in Ruth chapter 4. This is our last sermon from the book of Ruth forever. I'm just kidding. Maybe we'll go back to it, but uh, this is it for our series. We'll be done and uh, jump moving on next week. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and take it out. Um, I'll take a digital Bible account for now, but do me a favor and, and uh, stay on your Bible app, right? Um, and I, I do have a message for you tonight that I am excited to bring to you. Uh, I think it will help you um, as you as you grow. Uh, I, I got a point at the end that I really want to drive home. So Ruth chapter 4, starting in verse number 18 in your Bibles. I'm going to read down through verse number 22. Ruth 4, 18 to 22. The Bible says, Now these are the generations of Pharaohs. Pharaohs begat Hezron. Hezron begat Ram. How would you like that name? Ram. That's his name, right? Ram, like, the, like a Dodge Ram. And Ram begat Aminadab. Like Ram had a son named Abinadab. I feel like there's something going on there. But And Aminadab begat Nashon. And Nashon begat Salmon, or Salmon, however you want to say it. And Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. All right? Uh, that, that was their son, the next in line. Yep. Yeah. Okay, let's pray real quick, and then we're going to jump in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to you for what you've done for us. God, help us in the next few minutes understand what we're talking about tonight and kind of a, 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 a different philosophy from the Bible tonight that we're going to talk about, but uh, I hope that it will be uh, productive and then we'll leave here uh, better for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, last, we left off last week, and I think my hearing is just not coming back at my left ear, that's a good thing, but uh, last we left off, last Wednesday, um, Ruth asked Boaz to be the, her kin's redeemer, right? Uh, Boaz was, she thought, the next in line, and uh, the law was each family had a kinsman redeemer who would uh, buy back property of, uh, of a childless widow in her family. The kinsman redeemer would uh, marry a childless widow uh, that was related to him. So Boaz was um, the next closest relative of Ruth, uh, so Ruth thought. And so she asked uh, Boaz, will you be the kinsman redeemer? Basically, she proposed to Boaz, right? She proposed marriage to Boaz. And Boaz said, well, uh, he says, I I know your family. I know the connection. I know that we're related. However, there is one that is closer relative to to you. And so um, now remember where Ruth is coming from. She is a down uh, on her luck, a poor widow uh, with no past to speak of and no future. Someone on her behalf, right? She had uh, no hope unless someone stepped in. Understand where Ruth came from. She had nothing and she had no one. Naomi was it. Ruth out work, right? Uh, she had nothing one. Sure, Naomi gave Ruth wisdom, but Naomi had nothing to give her uh, of, of substance. Ruth had no skills, experience in her right? And she needed someone to uh, plead on her behalf, someone to step in, take care of her. That's where Ruth is in this whole situation. She's uh, really just praying for her, right? She's got no other 
options. There's no, uh, there's no last resort, right? There was no resort to uh, be spoken of. And Boaz was not the kinsman to Ruth. However, the closest, uh, excuse me, the closer kinsman. Oh, um, I, I can't, it would mess up our whole family situation, our inheritance uh, situation. It would mess all that up, so I can't do it. And so Boaz agrees to be the kinsman redeemer for Ruth. Not only this, like the story doesn't just end there, right? Like Boaz uh, started to go all around town and announce that he was going to marry Ruth. Boaz was excited about this, uh, this marriage that he was going to enter in. He goes to the gates of the city where the important people sat, and he told them, I'm taking Ruth in, and we're going to get married, and we're going to live happily ever after. And uh, he goes down in the highways and the byways, spreading the news that he was going to marry Ruth. He was excited about all of this. Boaz was going to buy back a, a, the land of Elimelech and his family. Boaz was going to buy it all back. He was going to restore uh, the family. And uh, so Ruth, at this point, really before she kind of knew who Boaz was, probably had given up on marriage and on a family, right? Having children and all this. When she, remember when she stayed with Naomi after Moab, after it all kind of fell apart in Moab and they came back to Judah, Ruth agreed to stay with Naomi, kind of a picture of her saying, you know, I'm, I, I have no place. Like, there's no home for me, and so I'll stay with Naomi. And I, I can picture her saying that if something works out, it will work itself out. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, there's nothing I can do at this point. If God gives me a husband, he gives me a husband. If he doesn't, then he doesn't. But now this man, Boaz, who she has grown to love, wants to bring her into his family and take care of of her. And Boaz declares this love streets as loud as he can. He wants the world to know about uh, Ruth and about their love. And so just imagine the feelings and the, and the emotions that Ruth is experiencing as Boaz is spreading the news in the streets of her love, of, of their love, right? And so she was probably, I picture like a Disney movie and just running down the street hand in hand, just shouting out, we're in love, we're in love, and we don't care who knows it, right? That's, that's probably what the scene looked like. And so um, uh, their union, their marriage is blessed immediately, and Ruth is soon, excuse me, soon found to be pregnant, and, uh, and shortly thereafter gives birth to a son. And so immediately their union is blessed. And this is proof of God on Ruth and Boaz. Those around Ruth and Boaz acknowledged, uh, acknowledged how the Lord had provided for Ruth, how, he seeming, how God seemingly plucked her from obscurity and miraculously gave her life. And we are not unlike Ruth in this story, you and me, right? In a spiritual sense, is there a problem? Okay. In a spiritual sense, we are not unlike Ruth in this story. The Bible says that one in our sins. And we had no hope of redemption. There was nothing that we could do. Our destiny was held forever. We had no uh, redeemer to step in for us, at least not one that we knew of. We were left with no recourse and it was kind of us saying, well, if something happens, it happens. If, if you know, if we end up 
kind of left up chance. And did you know that on our best days, when we woke up on the right side of the bed and, and everything kind of went right for us that day, and we had a spring in our step and a couple dollars in our pockets, I love those days. Right? When I wake up and I'm in a good mood and I, I, go to, uh, I go to throw a load of laundry in the washer and a couple dollars falls out and my day gets started off on the right note, right? I can get McDonald's for lunch or whatever they might be. Those are good days, right? On our days when with what we have, um, maybe we give a couple of dollars to somebody or the days that we share kind words with those that are us, maybe even those uh, that aren't so to us. On our best days, the Bible says that our righteousness, the good things that we do on our best days are as filthy rags to God. Righteousness is a God. Just to give you a complete picture of what that looks like, uh, what the what what the meaning is behind that. That phrase "filthy rags" literally means like the rags that you use to clean uh, menstrual blood, right? Like it's like a used tampon. That's our best days. You know what I mean? It's gross. It's meant to be gross. The whole point of the picture, right? Like on our, on our best days, without God, without Jesus, a part of our lives, on the good days, on the good days, that's like, it's nasty and it's gross and nobody would want to touch it, right? Like there's not, you can pay me enough to touch my best days. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what God says about our best days. Without Him, without the Holy Spirit inside of you and, and, and God, a part of your life, at our dead level best, we have no hope and no future and no purpose for our life on our good days. Imagine what our bad days look like. It's a good thing that God planned a way for our redemption from the beginning. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times. God knew that Jesus was going to go to the for us since before he created us okay so think about that before you and me were ever alive before adam and eve were ever made in the garden of eden before any of us i knew that he was going to have to send jesus die for you and me imagine the love that god has for us this means that god knew that he would make Adam and Eve. He knew that he would put them in the Garden of Eden and put that tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. He knew that they would eat the fruit from the forbidden tree. Uh, he would have, uh, and then that would kick off thousands of years of sin and wickedness. God knew that in order to redeem this fallen people, you and me, they would need a perfect sacrifice to take all of their sin on, uh, and give his life for us, God knew all of that since creation, since the foundations of the world. God knew since, since time immemorial. God knew that Jesus, knowing all that, God still created Adam and Eve and all of us after that. And you say, why would God do that? And the answer to that question, why would God do all of this for people like you and me? The answer is simple, and it really is one word. It's love. God loves us so much. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. Love is the answer to all of it. God did all of that because he wants a relationship with you and he wants a relationship with me. And no, it doesn't make sense, right? The love of God, it's unfactorable. There's no way that I could explain it to you because I, I can't imagine that love. The closest thing that I think we know that love to be is like a, a father or a mother loves children, right? But even the, the even, even that relationship has an end, right? Like there's a there's a point at which that relationship can be strained. But after knowing all the things that we would do, how we would violate God's commands and we would purposely go against Him, one of my favorite things about the love of God is that He knew that there would be people who uh, who would profess to believe in Jesus and would never live like it, right? They're, they would say with their mouth that they believe in Jesus, but no part of their life reflected Jesus, right? No part of their life would. Then he knew that there would be people who uh, would just live in kind of a, a, a an anemic neutral where they didn't, they're like, I don't know if God exists. I don't know if Jesus really died for me, but I, you know, I'm open to it, I guess. They kind of put together and, and become a believer. God knew that that would happen. God knew that there would be people who would say that, no, God doesn't exist and Jesus, uh, Jesus never came and he never died and he never was resurrected. God knew since the beginning that there would be people who would even reject him and say that uh, God is not anything like what we think he is and, and God uh, doesn't uh, love. God is hate and God is judgment and, 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 he's, and he's cruel and he's vicious to, um, to us and to, uh, uh, to all of us. Right? God knew all of that, that there would be that people of all different beliefs and types would come, would be, would live and be. And he still created us. And why did God do that? Because there's a chance that there would be some in Chesterfield County that on a Wednesday night in the, in late January 2022, when you could be doing a myriad of other things, all of us here have other places that we could be and, and, and home and whatever it might be. We all have uh, options, but there's a group of people who would choose to be in church in an old trailer on a property off a of courthouse road, right? That's why God did all of that for trailer trash like you and me, right? That's why God, uh, that's why God did all this for us because of that love that he has for you and me and hoping that one day people like you and me would say, I want a relationship with God, and I want to know Him and to know what it's like to be loved by Him. God wants a relationship with I can, uh, I, I, you know, I don't understand the, why He loves me, but I know this. I can look around at this world that God created and see the beauty of it, right? I can see, I can look up at night and see the stars and, and you know, the, the one of it all, right? And I, I can understand a little bit of the love of God, right? I can look uh, in my life and see parents that love me and siblings that uh, sometimes still call me, right? And, uh, and, and when I come home, a uh, beautiful wife and two uh, little girls that, that call me dad and, and still love it when I come home, right? They still freak out and say, daddy, and run to me when I come home. I a little bit of the love of God. 
When I show up on a Wednesday night and see adults who I get to serve with and see teenagers who uh, are so faithful to be in their place and who I'm so proud of, I understand the love of God. When I see all of that and more, I can come to no other conclusion. All of the things in my life that God has given me, I can come to no other conclusion but that God loves me. There's no other explanation for all of it. It's amazing to me that some people could say, look at their life and see the blessings that they have and the good things that, uh, that they are, are blessed with, right? And they say, that's just explanation for it. I can't tell you why it happens, but I can tell you this, right? I, I know that God loves me, and that's why we have all of these things. And God loved Ruth and had it all worked out from the very beginning. If you remember the verse read in the beginning of, of, uh, of this message, the verses that we read, you saw Boaz's name in the lineage of David. I'm going to take a look at this one more time. Verse 21 of Ruth 4, And Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat, da- begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. And that's King David, like the King David. And you see Boaz's name in the lineage of David. The son that Ruth had was the great-grandfather times 28, right? Like great, 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 like times 28. He was the great-grandfather of Jesus himself. Ruth was in the lineage of Christ. Isn't that an amazing thing? This girl who had nothing, had no one, ended up, in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. That's really cool, isn't it? Like, that's, a, that's amazing. Don't you think that God had this all worked out? Time, this is the plan all along. Ruth's life is a beautiful picture of the providence of God and how uh, he was always in her life. Maybe she didn't know it. You know, she uh, didn't come from a, a country that was filled with, uh, believers, right, and and of, and of Jews that believed in God. That's not Ruth's testimony. However, uh, at the end, I'm sure she can look back and see how God held her in his hand the entire way. And at the end, it was all worked out. And then she could trace back and see how God planned each step. And just like Ruth could, you and me can all look back at the blessings that we have and see how there's no other way that we could have all, all of this other than God directed it all. And God's providence, how God cares for us, was evident in all of this. And that's an amazing thing. Let me encourage you tonight. Take a moment every once in a while. I do this. I, I'm sitting in my office or sitting at home even. It's like 1.30 in the morning. Everybody and I'm working on school. And I'm frustrated and I'm stressed out because my classes are insane. Just like I'm sure sometimes you guys feel and you're working on homework and it's late at night and you feel like you're not understanding it and you're never going to. And, uh, and it's, it's like there's boyfriends and girlfriends and else and, and the stress of life, right? Take a moment and evaluate. Count your blessings. Count the things and name the things that you have going for you. Because I know that uh, if you're in this room tonight, you have one thing going for you. You know, well, I'll give you a couple. You know that God loves you. You know that Brother Damien loves you. The youth pastor loves you. You know that each and every single one of these uh, volunteers and these workers love you as well and want the best for you. That's a big blessing. You got people on your side, people that care for you. 
And a lot of people don't have that. And you do. That's a blessing that God has given you. Take opportunities about how good God has been to bring you to the place where you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to you for the blessings that you give to us. I pray that at the end of all this, and maybe at the end of the day, we would take a moment and count the things that you have done for us. And God, I pray that we would be overwhelmed by your love. And we're so grateful uh, for what you do for us. And that we pray that you'd help us to live like we are. In Jesus' name, amen.